So by the time we got back to our apartment, we were like dripping wet. Uh, so naturally, the solution was to sit in the bath and sing Hamilton for two hours. <gasps> well, Welcome to the Ice Garden. Vous écoutez the Ice Garden. Ice Garden. This is the Ice Garden. Attends, as a name, la dame, la cause you create the Ice Garden. This is the Ice Garden. Bienvenido al jardín. Welcome to the Ice Garden. You're listening to the Ice Garden. This. This. This is the Ice Garden. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Top Shelf, where we keep the hot takes and the hard liquor. I'm Hannah Beavis, and I'm here with special guest Alyssa Longmuir today, who's uh, calling in from Australia. Hi, Alyssa. Hello. It's always lovely to be here. Longtime listeners will remember we've had Alyssa on the show twice now. Yes. Yeah, and each time has been a delight. And so it is Michelle's birthday week, so she is not here. So Alyssa and I are going to talk about some fancy stats. Uh, specifically, we love fancy stats. We do. Uh, Alyssa, since the last time you've been on, you presented at RITSAC, which, as I'm reading it, realizing I don't know what it stands for. Uh, uh, Rochester Institute of Technology Sports Analytics Conference. Awesome. That That was me being like, "Mm, don't mess it up with RPI. (laughs) (laughs) I do frequently. <laughs> RIT and RPI, like if I didn't like I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to keep them straight either. They're ones I just really have a lot of issues with. And like RIT is obviously like a big like in terms of like the sports analytics world is like a big one, I guess like mainstream wise. Um, like, you know, that they have the sports analytics conference and there's a lot of talk about them on Twitter. Um RPI is where the guy that, like, my entire, like, master's research project, um, like, is kind of based off, like, his research. And he also does, like, sports analytics things, but, like, more the education end. And just messes my brain up. <laughs> uh, but you, so you virtually presented from, uh, for RIT SAC. How was that for you? Uh, they blessedly allowed me to Skype in. It only took me, you know, a year of aggressively screaming at every sports analytics conference to be like, yo, someone please let me present via Skype for someone to finally cave to my wishes. (laughs) So that was very nice of them. Um, but no, it was really good. I think, um, at least from like the feedback I got, a lot of people didn't exactly realize, like, I guess how bad sports the sports analytics world is like men's sports comparison to women's i can't remember the exact number i said um in the presentation um but like you know if we look at the nhl it's it's like a long list and it's like got longer since then like it's a long list of people who are working for teams Mm -hmm. uh in analytics roles uh and the same with the nba and even like major league soccer has like a decent list um and that's like not even touching baseball because i honestly i i just don't want to know how many people do events <laughs> because like everyone else i could kind of look up 
you know, by going through all of the team pages and looking at who they had listed on their website. But I feel if I did that for baseball, that would be like several hours of my life lost. But, you know, we're talking in like the several hundreds of people working in like major leagues sports analytics in North America. There is one person working in women's sports analytics that is specifically listed on a team website and they're only a statistician. They're not even like, you know, like doing advanced stats or like, you know, any of like the cool taglines, I guess, that comes with analytics jobs. Mm -hmm. They're literally just a statistician. Who is the one one person? Who is the one person? Um, can't remember my name off the top of my head, but they work for the Minnesota WNBA team and Minnesota NBA team. Like he walks, works across both franchises. Mm. Don't know the name off the top of my head because I'm sorry, Minnesota, but I don't super care about your basketball team. So <laughs> factoid I keep in my brain. Yeah. Yeah. But I was really shocked like when you started listing off like it was upwards I think of like 70 people that might be yeah. working in men's hockey and that's not including and like, it's gotten higher yeah since then which is insane mm-hmm. particularly it's like you know it was the off season people are hiring people left right and center particularly um in preparation for like the NHL is about to release a bunch of tracking data in the next year which I've heard is fantastic um like the actual data, it hasn't been released yet, but like rumor has it, it's really good. Um, but yeah, so like teams have been bulking up, but you just kind of got to sit there and be like, oh, all of these men's teams have this many people, and <laughs> this one person actually being paid in all of women's professional sport, which is unfortunate, frankly. Yeah, it really is. Can you, you had a really good metaphor in your presentation about the, uh, women's statistics and trying to build an Ikea table for people who haven't. An Ikea table metaphor. I I honestly, this one's been like a year in the making and I really love it. Um, No. So like, uh, yeah, women's hockey is very much like, so you go to Ikea. It's great morning. You know, you've looked online, you kind of know what you want to get. Browsing the lovely aisles, um, you know, perusing all of the, like the different fancy stats that other sports have. And like, even like men's hockey, like, Ooh, I want, that one, you know, take your pick about what that one is. And so, you know, you go to the warehouse, you think you collect all of the items, you get home and you realize that your Ikea purchase um, is missing three screws, uh, a couple of bolts, one of those little weird wooden dowel things that for some reason every Ikea purchase needs, um, mm. and a whole leg. Uh, is really what it feels like to be doing uh, women's or fringe sports uh, stats. And, like, you make it work and the table's standing up because you have a family dinner that night and you really need a table. But, like, mm, is it really? (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's, when you think about, like, it's not that women's statistics is lacking because people don't know how to do it. We know how to do it. It's just that there's a lack of information that makes it impossible to even start. Yeah, it's like I sit there and I look at, like, the articles and the talks people, like, put out. And one day, like, I would genuinely love to give a presentation 
at an analytics conference talking about like an incredibly very specific part of women's hockey. Like, you know, you see people do things on power plays and they do things on shot chances and they do things on defense. But like we've had three people. Oh wait, no, four people because Carly gave two. Um, but like, you know, we've had four presentations at analytics conferences now that are specific to women's hockey. And like one and a half of them has been just straight up. This is like, you know, a fun stats thing about women's hockey. And even then, like there's still that baseline of, but finding this information was really hard, but like two whole presentations have just pretty much been about, this is what we're missing and this is what we're working with kind of. Um, and I'd love to not even reach the point where we have like complete data sets, but just, you know, reach the point where we can just go to analytics conferences and present on the analytics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had an interesting quote in your presentation, I thought, about how uh, stats, data, and analytics have taken a backseat to growing the game. Yes. Which I think... Um, yeah, which I really liked. It's it's definitely one. And, like, I, I've talked to people who've worked for, you know, either the N-dub or the C-dub, um, and it's the same thing every time. And, and I think it's something we see a lot. Like, I think, I guess, we're seeing it kind of um, more so now with, obviously, like, the big split. Um, that's one way to call it. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, there's very much... Like, like, are we growing the game for a future generation or are we growing it now kind of thing? Because I think a lot of the time, you know, they want to pay the players, which is completely fair. They should. And, you know, they want to have a big social media presence, which, again, completely fair. They should. But, like, there's a bunch of things in their head they feel like they need to tick off first. And it just isn't something that the people in charge of leagues are considering. Like, <clears throat> at the point in time that it came out, I was really mad about it because I was like, mm, hello, even strength exists. If you do a Google search, you'd find her. But, um, wait, I've randomly got a cough. <coughs> but, like, um, when the For the Game movement just started, uh, Kendall Coyne Schofield came out uh, in an article and, like, a lot of it was refuted, and I'd be like, well, like, it's your fault for, like, commuting to the team, like, not actually training with them. That's why you're probably, messy, like, missing this. But she came out and was like, uh, like, obviously she knows what men's professional sports looks like. Um, was, you know, we don't get game tape, and we don't have stats readily accessible to us. And it's, like, it's not things we think about. And even, like, I feel like men's sports – I feel like men's sports is a bigger divide between the consumer and the player. Mm-hmm. L- like, like it's a big gap. And, like, you're always going to have NHL players being like, mm, don't tell me about my Corsi. And like, like, most NHL players don't know their Corsi, and that's cool. Like, everyone who's fed stats has accepted this. We would much rather the players never look at our numbers kind of thing. It, it's very much like that's something the front office and the coaching staff should be caring about, but not – the players themselves, like they, they don't need the micro data. That's slightly higher up to consume and then to work out how to best, I guess, give that um, 
to the players and like so you know for, it's for your coaches and your front office and you know your broadcasting stuff like that that's who I feel advance us benefit um, and there is a really big thing being like oh the players should know but or like but the players don't care it's like cool they they, they don't need to know but okay um, but yeah her like really calling that out and being like we don't even have access to like stats. At the time, I was like, hello, I built a website for this, please use it. Um, and yeah, I found out that, like, you know, a, a decent portion of, like, NWHL players didn't know it existed. Um, and, like, the ones who did were mainly the goalies. Well, the stat is what I have learned. Um, like, when I, like, first started doing the Australian Women's League stats, it was goalies who I asked before like publishing anything because like sure I'm giving up out the shot locations mm. is for free but more so than anyone it exposes the goalies yeah <coughs> um and like when I look at the even strength follower list so many goalies in both the like obviously now become CWHL uh, and the NWHL, like, they care. Um, but, yeah, it's something like the, the teams aren't just – they just aren't getting the information. They don't think it's something that's meaningful. But also, even though I guess men's players don't care about it, it's clearly something that, like, women's players have noticed is missing. Well, I think because that gap is so big between, like, yes, maybe men's players don't want to know what their course is, but, like, if you can get accurate statistics – that will help you improve your game. All of these women who are playing professionally want to get better, and statistics is something that can provide that. And yeah, I also think it's a, a like when you look at, like not to you know drag the NCAA and education into this, but like when you look at the average education level of like an NHL player versus like a national team member for women's, like they all have college degrees. <laughs> They're not stupid purely by virtue of, like, the situation they're in means they all play four years at college minimum. Like, you know, if they, like, tie the Olympics in there, they're looking at, um, like, maybe an injured year. Like, you know, you're looking at potentially six years of college education, and it shows, like, you know, they kind of, like, I guess even, like, critically consume the information they're being given, like, far better than, like, 90% of men's hockey players are equipped to do so. And that's just, like, if I think it's, like, oh, wow, like, a byproduct of the way women's hockey works means that they're all super educated. Um, but I definitely think it puts them in a better position to know what to do with stats. But they're not getting them so there's nothing they can do with them but like they know what's missing because they're in a position where like they can recognize the value of them i think it's i think it's easier to market like for the future like we were talking about earlier because that's like a far away thing yeah. that you don't have to have any tangible results whereas focusing on stats would have an immediate impact on the game now and that was something yeah. that you mentioned in your presentation like just over the span of a year the way that stats had grown in the nwhl and have since now regressed we were talking a little bit about before the call is yeah. huge. 
Yeah, so uh, Liam from BOHL decided to throw me a massive curveball, uh, despite me massively calling them out in the RIT presentation. Also, realistically, actually the second best league in North America for statistical information prior to RIT. Like, it literally went for, like, hockey, MHL, NWHL, AHL. Which really, Which really surprised me watching that presentation. I was like, oh, damn. Yeah, the AHL doesn't give a lot of publicly available data. And it's like an ongoing thing that like people who are in analytics, it's, it's part of why, like I guess, modeling prospects and uh, how good they're going to be is really difficult is because like the NCAA, the AHL, and the CHL are as like, three leagues for, you know, a whole, don't actually track a lot of data at all. So, like, you know, in, in the ranking scheme of, like, leagues of what data they give you, at what data is publicly accessible, because, like, there's definitely AHL teams who are tracking everything and have that data internally, but they're not giving it to me, so I don't care. <laughs> but, yeah, so it very much went like in sets of hockey in like leagues that I pay attention to it was like NHL and WHL might publicly but like publicly available but privately tracked I guess AWIHL data and then AHL was like really how the ranking systems went um three months ago uh since then the NWHL moved to a new website provider uh, which I've heard it's way better and way easier for them on their end, which I fully support them trying to make their job easier. I've seen the back end of a decent number of hockey websites, like league websites. They're all a hellscape. Uh, <laughs> so, like, I think they're trying to want to make it better, but their current provider doesn't have the capacity to track shot locations, which is a big step back statistically. There was a lot of stuff like we weren't sure if they were going to be tracking block shots and we weren't sure if they were going to be tracking like turnovers or even plus minus uh, for a while, which was like a big, oh, like I was like, oh, so we're regressing to like peewee standards of stats. Can't wait for that. It's a copy, here we come. Um, (sighs) Luckily, we've still got a couple of things. We've still got the time a shot was taken. We still have who took the shot. Um, we're just really the only, like, piece of data that, like, the league was giving us we're missing is the location. Um, that does mean we're losing, obviously, shot maps uh, and also expected goals, uh, which is unfortunate that the loss isn't as great as we originally thought it was going to be and this was like you know I was talking to people within the league and they were trying to like talk even they were like I I don't know what we're going to be able to get you kind of thing um no one knew until that first game uh but even this is with their entire like website change up uh even strength is still not active for this season because our entire everything like the entire infrastructure of that website broke when they changed providers Uh, 
and they changed providers a week before the season started. Um, oh, so still like trying to like scramble together. It's a whole different way of getting the data. Whereas like before we used to access the back end, um, which is the common way that, you know, your favorite family uh, NHL stats website does it. Like we all go in the same way for like whatever league we're working on. We all get, you know, different levels of data, but it, it, we're accessing the same thing. It's always been, but the NWHL has now locked that down higher than Fort Knox, which like, yo, if you didn't want me scraping your website and putting out stuff, you could have just told me and saved me the drama. Um, now I'm like having to teach an entire coding program to like browse their website as if it was a human. Cause all the information's there, but like the common ways of getting it don't work, which is very annoying. Um, so instead I'm creating an entire like tiny human inside my computer, which is definitely how we all die. Um, <laughs> and kill me in my sleep. Um, <laughs> I hope it develops good opinions about women's hockey stats. <laughs> if you're the one teaching it, it certainly will. It's like me. <laughs> this robot that I'm creating is definitely <laughs> going to kill me. But also, I hope it has good hockey opinions. <laughs> it's the least it could do, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, you know, we're hoping to have that up within the next couple of weeks and have even strength semi back. But, like, it's going to be working at a reduced capacity until such point that the NWHL gives us back shot locations. And, like, we don't even know if that's going to be able to happen next season because the website provider literally doesn't have the functionality for it and they would have to build it on their end, which means the NWHL needs to request it enough, and I just don't trust them to request it enough to annoy these people into building. Yeah, and that's, that's, a, that's assuming okay. they have somebody who even has the capacity to do that kind of coding, or whatever it would be to build it. It's like, I don't know how you do it kind of thing. Like, I'm not a front-end developer at all. <laughs> Um, but it's just like, and I think it's also been like it very much in the past couple of weeks has brought important perspective how much the leagues just don't care. Um, like, and like people, I guess, as well. Like the NHL shot location data uh, for the first uh, 91 games was off. Um, they also had brought in a new user interface during the off season uh, for their trackers. Uh, and it meant that every, like, shot on goal that was, like, just outside the crease um, was as, like, several feet back of the crease. And it was a big thing. Like, ESPN was covering how much of a big thing it was. It made 31 thoughts. Like, everyone's like, ooh, oh, no, the shots are wrong. And I'm just sitting there being like, uh, yeah, yo, uh, they literally took my shot locations away and like, it was just me going on a event, like, and one guy yelling at me, telling me no one can. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's like, it was like, like until I, I can understand why the leagues don't think it's important because like at the moment it's like maybe five voices screaming about it. Whereas, like, when the shot locations for 
the NHL got messed up, it was obviously like the stats people yelling about it. And then suddenly all the journalists realized that a bunch of the like stat they use were getting screwed up because of it. So then they were yelling about it. And then the NHL was like, oh, we have to fix this. Well, it just kind of also, I think, reflects on, like, the state of the sports media landscape in general. Like, 90% of sports journalism is about men's sports journalism, or yeah. more than 90%. And so, like, the more people that are going to yell about a thing, the yeah. faster it'll get fixed. But also, like, with women's hockey, it just feels like there's so many more hurdles that are being put up in front of this. And no matter how dedicated of a reporter or a fan you are, I think it gets to a point where you're just like, is this worth it? And it is, but it's also exhausting, as I think you can attest to. It's a very big conversation I've had with myself during, I guess, the first couple of weeks of the season. Because, yeah, people, like, luckily, I, I feel like I've reached a point where, like, people who are men's sports, people who don't necessarily pay attention to women's hockey, but care about the existence of women's hockey stats. So, and we're like, is there something we can do to all, like, like, can we manually track this? Like, it was a legitimate conversation. Like, obviously, I worked for the A-Dub already, where I manually track every shot on goal and make that public information. Like, that's not something that is, you know, being done by the league or that is being published by the league or is being paid by the league. But, like, I tracked, I, I think... It was like 1,800 shots last season for Australian women's hockey. And they have a very short season. That's absurd. The number could have been a lot higher. Like this weekend alone, I've tracked over 200 shots, which is insane. But I had a a very real conversation where I was like, "Can, can I do the NWHL? Because the fact is... This is where things like even their broadcast quality, like their partnership with Twitch, great, excellent, love me Twitch over Periscope, like any day of the week. But they still don't have what I deem, particularly like coming from like where I am in like I guess hockey geography-wise, like I know what Australia manages to spit out in regards to streaming. I'm not expecting the NWHL to, you know, be – the AHL, the CHL, or the NHL, anytime soon in regards to streaming. That's fine. Like, I'm okay with that completely. But, like, not being able to have a clock on your game and not being able to have a score bug really impacts further than just the viewer experience. Because, like, if you're watching the game live, you're like – it's inconvenient not having it because, like, you don't know how many seconds are left in a period. And, like, if you tune in late, you don't know how many goals are scored. But, like, you can work it out. It's fine. But, like, trying to crack shots or, in the case of, you know, the 91 missing goals, trying to find the missing goals. Like, I knew the exact time code from, like, you know, their website of when that goal was, you know. So, yeah. It's two minutes in. It was on the power play. But, like, having to, like, randomly jump through the footage and either hope that the camera would get the, like, rink time in, like, thing 
or that the commentators would just happen to mention what the score was, was what I was working with kind of thing. Like it was something like everyone was like, oh, could we track this for you? And I was like, I in no right mind can ask anyone to track this at the moment. Like we can't do like a crowdsource publicly. Everyone pitches in and does like one game a weekend situation because the quality of broadcast we're working with isn't fair to ask people to do that. So, you know, a flow-on effect. Also, at WHL, if you would like a clock um, on your games, please get in contact with Australia. Would love to chat. We have some software you might like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I And I can only assume it's coming down to resources and that they just don't have somebody... But that it having a clock, a score bug is basic. It's one person. Yeah. It takes one person to run the clock and the time. Like, and people are like, oh, the job is hard. It's like, yeah, I know, I've done it. Like, <laughs> never for the women's league. Yeah, no, never for the women's league because I've always commentated um, when I've been doing broadcasts. But like for the Australian men's league, like, the interface we use for the AWIHL was built off because the same, I guess, company, like, the majority of the crew uh, also does streamed games for one of the teams, uh, specifically in the Australian Men's League. And they recently uh, got, uh, did finals um, as well. And, like, we built the entire infrastructure we use from the ground up. It's not like we paid someone, like, several hundreds of dollars for like their score bug, we literally built it ourselves. How does the AWHIL, the oh my god, words AWIHL, like how does that stats team, like how many of you are there, like how does that work? Uh, so for a broadcast, uh, we have four people in the booth in Newcastle which are uh, like blessedly like so that would that booth was originally built to broadcast Newcastle men's hockey when it was at that like when it's at the rink um and uh like Gary who's the owner of the rink and the men's team uh is fantastic and he's let us have access to the booth and like actually like he, they like they built the booth uh they cut they got rid of half a skate higher so we could have a three meter by like four meter wooden box essentially um with a lot of very expensive equipment inside it but that's still like you know i i've seen like what broadcast booths look like for like mainstream sports um i went on tour of one of the ones in sydney with the guy uh, michael who did, um runs thought fox media group who does all of the awihl streaming um and it was beautiful and they were also showing me like they're like this is where the stats person sits and it's like two television screens and an entire custom keyboard i'm like hi michael when are we going to get the budget for me to do this <laughs> <laughs> the answer is never but it was beautiful and i cried a little bit yeah so we have four of us in the booth uh Two commentators, so uh, I'm on, like, color slash analyst, and then we have Eric, who does play-by-play. Then we have Michael, who does, like, produces 99% of the streams. Like, there are very few things he will miss a stream for. He didn't miss a single one last season. He is missing one this season, and it is literally because it's his little baby's first birthday. (laughs) 
Yeah. This season is a lot less stressful because we don't have an entire production uh, team on Baby Watch because last season there was a, like for the first couple of weeks of the last AWHL season, there was a very real knowledge that he could run out of the booth at any time and just abandon us without a producer. <laughs> you know, not ideal. Um, And then we have our uh, like on-stream scorer uh, down the end of the booth. Uh, we then have a headset connection to the rink um, where we have one camera person who is talking to us, The well, not talking to me because I have the stream headset on, but like, you know, to the producer and this um, on-stream on graphics person the entire game. Um, and we try to get one other person uh, at the rink who is just usually like we pitch someone we know or like a volunteer uh, for the home team and uh, route them into comms as well. And they tell us things like what the time on the clock is and, you know, how long till the penalty expires because obviously we're not actually at the rink. So we don't have eyeballs on that um, unless the camera pans that direction. So all up, we run our stream on five, maybe six people. And the AWIHL is, like, able to track a pretty significant amount of statistics as well. Yeah. Yeah, so the AWIHL, like, themselves, not counting me, track as much as the CWHL with tracking. So, like, they're not doing shots per player. But, like, you know, they manage to have the penalties and they come up on screen and they manage to have the goal scorers and they come up on screen along with, like, who assisted and everything. Like, we get all that information. Um, and then I sit there and try and clone myself the entire way through the game uh, while tracking all of the shot locations and the players that shot it. And then I make that publicly available. And, like, I understand that not every league has me, I guess. Um, but also, like, I imagine leagues in North America should just by virtue of being in a country where there are slightly more mainstream sports than Australia have access to like more people. And even if it's like volunteers kind of thing, like people will do it, but like they're not asking anyone to, so we're not getting it. Yeah. Which is just really frustrating because it, it is there. It's just, it's purely a, do we have enough people to track this? Yeah, and can we train people be, to do it well? There's going to be a massive gap. And like, obviously, like, as I said before, I'm not asking anyone to track this season. I'm not expecting anyone to, but it's also one of the things where it's like, if the NWHL announced that they were bringing back shot locations last season, which they 100% wouldn't announce, I would just find out. <laughs> like that's never going to be an announcement, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, if they brought it back next season, I would go back and track every single one of this season's games myself so that we could have that complete data set because there's just a massive gaping hole. Like they didn't track shot locations in their first season and that will forever annoy me in the concept of like having like a complete neat and tidy set to like so we could really look at the changes. Um, but also, like, we don't have video of most of season one. So, 
like like that's, that's something I can never do. I can't go back and track that, and I know that, which is why I haven't tried. Um, so I can get it for a couple of games, but like it's not worth it for a couple of games. Like if you're gonna do it, you want the complete set. Um, I feel like a collector. It's like <laughs> all the points. Um, but yeah, like if they announced it was coming back, I would go back myself and track the entire season of missing data because having an entire season of missing shot data after previously having it is just like the stupidest thing in the world in my mind. But it's kind of like the the status quo, I think, for women's hockey in general. Like this was a problem with the CWHL and not just with shot location, like with some basic statistics that when they yeah. changed over to a new website just were no longer on the site and you had to go to a third-party website like Elite Prospects or somewhere else to see if maybe they had it too. If you want past NWHL statistics at the moment, you literally have to go to Even Strength. They're not on the NWHL website. How did you even we- find them? Where did where did you find them? Well, because we already had them. Mm. Because we downloaded the back end of the website gotcha. and then convert it to our own CSV file with all of the fancy stats we could make. So I had the raw data. <laughs> I still have the raw data kind of thing. Like, you know, if the NWHL lost their entire, like, and like I've heard they still have it and they're trying to like transfer it over. It's just taking a hot minute. But like if they lost all of it, I still have all of the raw data for every game, which is nice. It makes me feel safer. <laughs> I feel like I'd be able to sleep at night if I knew that there was like, that you had data, just in case something terrible happened. Like, I know it's there. It's safe. It's in several locations around the world, including <laughs> my laptop, a couple of laptops in America, and a random server in Canada. Mm-hmm. Like, it's safe. <laughs> <laughs> the Ice Card is Something else that you mentioned in your presentation was other people who are uh, contributing to like the women's sports statistics community and also women's hockey kind of in general. Are there a few people that you want to shout out that you think people should either follow on Twitter or do some insight into their research if they want to learn more? Uh, yeah, like obviously uh, Mike and uh, Colleen have done like fantastic things. Like I feel like the three of us are the only ones who've really done like a ton of stuff. Um, in women's hockey, which is nice. I particularly love Carlene's stuff because she straight up ignores the fact uh, that this is women's hockey in Australia and we're missing like 500 bits of data. And she's like, hi, here is my analysis, um, which I fully support. Unfortunately, I accidentally got myself on the yelling about how much data we don't have train uh, and now I'm stuck here. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, it's, like, things when I look at, uh, like, Stats Bomb, um, which is largely a soccer statistics website, has been doing great things uh, with making uh, women's sports statistics publicly accessible. They've done it with, like, um, a bunch of the women's soccer leagues, They and they track it all themselves. Like, that's a whole company, um, like, goals. Uh, but also, yes, yeah, uh, track all their data themselves. Uh, and they have consciously started tracking women's sports uh, data and making it publicly accessible, uh, which is 
beautiful. Like they had all of the World Cup data and were publishing it like three hours after the game finished. Uh, and for a beautiful 31 days, my Twitter dashboard felt like women's sports was just as important as men's sports uh, in regards to statistics because I was getting stuff that I was used to only seeing for men's sports, like on my dash for women's soccer. And I was just like, mm, yes, this feels good and right. But, yeah, they've done fantastic stuff. Her Hoops, um, again, another one that tracks, like, a lot of stuff themselves, uh, have done great things uh, for NCAA basketball, uh, which is fantastic. Like, well, what a niche to go in on, but I support them. And, like, yeah, it's one of the things I look at them and I'm like, oh, okay, this is what we want to get, you know, women's hockey data to our, like, specifically even strength because they're one who, like, coaches in the WNBA have, like, publicly in, like, press, like, things talked about how might good that website is and how much they use it. And I'm like, we just need to reach that point where coaches publicly discuss statistics in women's hockey. Please give it to me. Just one coach. We need is a singular coach. <laughs> Because if one coach says it, then I think other coaches will start taking notice. And then you have people who are asking for the statistics who, like, their voices are more magnified because they're the ones coaching in the league. Yeah. Like, I did essentially what I do for the A-Dub uh, and a little bit extra for, like, one specific men's team during the men's season over here. And it, it was, like, the first time, like, other people have people doing stats like, other teams have teams doing stats. But, like, I was on the bench for a couple of games. Um, like, four, I think. And, like, that was a big thing. And, like, there were people being like, oh, 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 the stats person is on the bench kind of thing. And even just, like, the little amount of visibility that that gave kind of thing. Like, it gave a little bit of credence to these. And, like, coaches care about this. Like, it wasn't just, like, oh, we've got Alyssa to do it so that she doesn't post it publicly because like, that's what I was going to do for the entire season. Like, <laughs> one team was literally like for the cost of a stuffed moose and also your train expenses, we would like you to track for us. Wow. And I'm like, yes, I'm cheap. Hello. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I think a lot of the time, it's like people are like, wow, are you gonna do this like publicly forever? It's like, oh no, you don't realize how quick I would sell out if a single team showed interest, kind of thing. <laughs> Hello, I'm here and very willing to be bought. <laughs> it's like you too can bribe me uh, very easily with the promise of a stuffed mascot and nothing else. Um, to do stats for your team and your team only, and stop posting publicly. I would. Absolutely. I think I would have to double whatever a team offered you to make sure that this data is continually available to the public because it is so important and so valuable. But yeah, it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, okay, like coaches are starting to care about it, which is good. Like JFK, bless his soul, no idea what course he was, um, and that was something that I was tracking which was intense because that is very hard to manually track uh, as a singular person 
but he just called it Fancy Plus Minus, which is my <laughs> favorite <laughs> word. Oh, God. And, and, like, the players on the team knew their Corsi. Like, it was, they were all just very used to it. At one point in time, I very endearingly um, had, I was after an away game, uh, had the captain uh, of the team following me around a liquor store like a lost puppy, uh, trying to tell me how much he appreciated what I had been doing. And I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to buy some alcohol. <laughs> It's like, I appreciate the sediment, but, like, also, I'm not sure why the sediment is being delivered to me at a liquor store at, like, 9 p.m. at night. <laughs> One of the questions I have, but I don't know, I feel like I kind of can guess the answer, is if you're working on anything new. But it sounds like you're trying to kind of rebuild what has just been taken away. Fix a website. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, I'm, uh, yeah, currently working on trying to fix uh, the website. Uh, also, you know, uh, transposing all of the Australian Women's League data so I can have that dashboard that I had last season uh, for this season as well. Um, and also, in a blessed experience of for once, someone just gave me stats. Um, I've been doing a little bit of work uh, with Iceberg Data, which is, I guess, a statistical analysis company that does a lot of work with a lot of NHL teams. Um, that also happens to work with a couple of women's NCAA teams uh, that have just given me their data, which I'm very confused about. Um, But, yeah, just given me their data to kind of, like, poke uh, and play around with. So when I get a minute to breathe, I'm very excited uh, to dive into that because it's the most comprehensive data set for women's hockey I've ever seen. Uh, to the point that I looked at it, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do all these things. And I looked at the set and I was like, I, where do I start? Uh, how do I do any of this? Because <laughs> I've never do it I am very confused, uh, but very excited uh, to dive into that. Um, and, you know, hopefully like pairing that with like the NWHL data that I do have uh, and also the AWHL data, I kind of look at the differences uh, we can see between leagues. Because, like, in the last, like, couple of weeks alone, uh, I've managed to, like, see the gap, I guess, between the NWHL slash CWHL and the AWIHL. Uh, Sarah Edney on the power play in Australia is potentially the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I miss uh, her. We, can we have her back, please? <laughs> nope, she's ours now. We <laughs> have her. Um, and also uh, Lizzie Aveson, uh, shorthanded. <laughs> I, yes, I could watch those goals on repeat uh, all week. But yeah, it's like there's definitely a flow-on effect uh, that we're seeing here um, from the For The Game movement. Like, we've got four whole players out of it. <laughs> I didn't really think about that. We have had some players go to different leagues. like, But Sarah was already in Australia, right? Sarah is very much like... Uh, Sydney had a very tumultuous off-season, uh, to say the least. Um, and also, I refuse to give them zero credit for any of the imports they got because they very much fell into them. So, uh, yeah, Sarah Edney's uh, doing dentistry at uh, one of the universities here. 
Uh, so she was like, everyone was like, oh, okay, she's going to end up on the sirens. Like, don't know how they're going to do it because they're only allowed two imports, but sure, can't wait. Um, but both of their imports, uh, visas expired uh, during the off-season anyway, and, like, they couldn't extend it any further because of, like, job reasons and stuff like that. Uh, so they both went back to Canada, and then the A-Dub announced that teams would be allowed three imports. So, so they got Sarah Etney. They got Sarah Etney's little sister Nadine, who just graduated from St. Lawrence. She also got a hat trick in her first game. So clearly, a great pickup. Bless her. Uh, <laughs> uh, and they got uh, one of uh, Nadine Etney's teammates from St. Lawrence. So it's like, did you actually recruit? No. Did you just fall into what is potentially the best import group the ADOM has ever seen? Yes. And like I refuse to give you credit for um, In comparison, Adelaide uh, is actually good this year. It's not just me um, carrying several buckets of water for them like usual. <laughs> me picked Adelaide as my dark horse three years running. Also me. Maybe this year will actually be the year. Um, <laughs> But no, so because they became last last season, they can actually get four imports if they want. So they have three at the moment, um, but they have a potential to add uh, during the offseason. So they have Lizzie Aikson, uh, who came from the uh, Blades. So uh, she like, like literally came because of the For the Game movement, like – it's in writing. I've seen it. <laughs> Her, like, original email for, like, the join the league is like, hi, I'm not playing women's hockey in North America this season for X, Y, Z reasons. I would love to join a team, um, which is great. Uh, but, yes, they've got her and they've got uh, – yeah, why can't I remember their name? Uh, Captain, the Edmonton – uh, University of Alberta Pandas to the championship two years ago. Mm, this is a name I should know. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's annoying me because there's also, like, there's two players from that team playing in the A-Dub right now, which is, like, pandering to me personally on, like, a massive front. <laughs> I'm like, oh, the Pandas are, like, one of my two new sports teams. Hello, please bring me a jersey. I love them. Um, but yeah, so she's over here, and like they were fantastic in opening weekend uh, for Adelaide. It's just really nice. Uh, obviously, big Natalie Ayers fan, um, and she's always been great for Adelaide. But it was really nice to watch an Adelaide game where like she didn't have to do everything. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It was like, oh, this is what happens when you put that with, like, really good players. Oh, I'm about this. <laughs> she's not carrying a line. She's, like, she's just on a line now, which is amazing to watch. And it's, like, I, I feel really bad saying because I feel like I'm, like, dumping on Adelaide, which, like, I've always loved Adelaide kind of thing. I think it's always had a lot of potential. And just through, like, uh, like they probably have, like, well, I probably had like the worst financial situation of any of the ADOPS teams for the entirety of their existence. Um, 
And it was just, yeah, really nice. Uh, they managed to get, you know, some good sponsors in the off-season, which meant that they kind of had something to offer imports. Obviously, like, we don't pay players. But still, like, like subsidize their trip a lot if your club has, you know, a decent cash flow situation. Um, it was the first time they'd kind of been able to be like, hello, come play hockey in Australia. You won't have to, you know, pay for your accommodation the entire time you're here. Um, and, you know, I think that's been really good for them. And they did a, such a good, like, all three of the players they got, I've been like, yes. <coughs> so they've done an excellent job recruiting. Um, but I'm so hyped for the Adelaide City game. Uh, like, give me Lizzie Aveson versus uh, Sarah Eggby. Like, I'm oh my literally. Goodness. Oh, that sounds so just, exciting. Yeah, like, it's like when they're like just skating up the ice, like, you can kind of notice it, but you can't notice it as much. But yeah, there was a power play yesterday where Sarah Eckney, she was in, like, the top corner of the power play. Like, that was where she was playing from, and she had the puck and was just stick-handling it for, like, 20 seconds while just trying to, like, like poke-check her, and they couldn't. I was just, like, just, like, the stick work and the footwork, I was like, yep, there it is. <laughs> Like, hello, please frame this. I want to watch it on repeat forever. And, like, same thing with Lizzie Aveson. Like, she had a shorthanded breakaway uh, last week where, like, she caught three players just literally standing still. Like, they didn't know what to do. And to go, like, backhand top shelf. And I was just like, ugh. (laughs) Beautiful. That's pretty. (laughs) (laughs) I want to keep it forever. (laughs) Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we sign off? Um, no. At the NWHL, asking them to give me back show locations. <laughs> Please, and at anybody at the NWHL. I get them a lot. And, like, I understand they have, like, more important things. Like, obviously, I, like, briefly mentioned, like, it was, you know, me yelling and one guy yelling at me, being like, I don't care. Um. Which is fine. Cool, dude. Don't know why you added me about that, but whatever. <laughs> it was like the most annoying thing was like all of his points were valid. I was like, you're definitely making me sad because you keep adding me. But also he was like, you know, if more money goes towards the players, I don't care about stats. And I was like, oh, if that point of view. But I think with better stats, you get better players and you also, it's like something like the NHL has like worried about with like the introduction, like with the introduction of all the new real time tracking is like players using that at like arbitration hearings and stuff like that to like get. I like, I don't think more stats is a bad thing because like the league, like like teams aren't necessarily looking at them, but like at the moment, but like, you know, as a player, if you're having a really good season, do you not want to go to your club with, like, all of your fancy numbers and be like, give me more money because of these? Like, it's something that players literally do. So, like, sure, maybe not next season and maybe not the season after, but, like, at some point, stats are eventually going to become, like, bargaining power. Like, we've seen it happen before. 
you know, it's like we joke every single time, you know, any player has like an out of like left field, like 30 goal season in the NHL. Like, oh, damn, they're getting paid kind of thing. Patrick Maroon definitely sent a fruit basket to Conor McDavid. <laughs> <laughs> that man won a cup because Conor McDavid put things on his tape for a whole season. <laughs> but we've seen it being used as marketing power uh, in men's leagues. Like, at some point, women's hockey has to start valuing statistics. Even if it's not fancy statistics, like, I don't even know if they care about goals right now, to be honest. Yeah, the, the way that the paying situation is shaking out is I think it it's not even necessarily is the best player getting paid the most money. It's, it, it's literally who is just the third favorite, which is a great way to pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, also, use your goals as bargaining power. <laughs> mm-hmm, absolutely. Um... Okay, where can we find you on Twitter, Alyssa? You can find me at Alyssa's Tweeting uh, on Twitter, where I intermittently yell about hockey stats and also uh, using sport instead education. So, you know, I cover everyone. That's wonderful. Wonderful combo. Interests. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Alyssa, for coming on and talking. It's always wonderful to have you on the show. It's always great to be here. I love coming on podcasts. Um, I usually have to wake up early for them. I'm glad, and I'm so happy that you powered through for this episode. Um, Michelle will be back next week, um, and we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming. If you have questions, you can tweet them at Michelle and I using the hashtag Top Shelf Mailbag, along with any start bench cuts or trivia questions you want us to answer. Thank you for I listening. Have- oh. oh, dear. Oh, no. You have trivia for me? Yes. Okay. Shoot. Let's go. I, I thought, and like, you definitely should have checked this knowing I was coming on. You I, definitely have it so You're absolutely right. I should have. It didn't even cross my mind. And now I'm like sitting straight up. I'm very concerned. <laughs> How many goals do you think was scored in the Perth Inferno Sydney Sirens game this weekend. So home opener for the Sydney Sirens, and you already know that Nadine Edney got a hat trick. So you're you're talking total goals, both teams. Total goals. You don't even have to tell me the score; just the total goals. Eighteen. Really close. Ninety. Damn it! That's even there worse. Was... I was one off. Nineteen goals. Twenty penalties. 102 shots between the teams. Was there any five-on-five play, like, at all? Maybe 30 minutes of it. And that's a strong maybe. Holy shit. What was the final? Three separate hat tricks. What was the final score? 9-10. And the ninth goal was scored with 30 seconds. Oh, no, with nine seconds left in the game. (laughs) Oh, my Uh, their eighth goal with 30 seconds left and their ninth goal with nine seconds left and they should have pulled their goalie a minute and 20 seconds earlier than they did. Oh my god, they that sounds... the power play with two minutes left and they didn't pull their goalie until a minute and a half into the power play. Uh... <laughs> I aged a hundred years. You're like screaming from the booth in Newcastle and nobody can hear you. Pull the goalie now. 
no, I was audibly screaming on the stream. Anyone <laughs> who watches the stream can just stand me like full the goalie, please. Uh, but honestly, must watch game. <laughs> it sounds incredible. It's on it's on YouTube, correct? This this Wonderful. Okay, we'll talk to y'all next week. Bye.